Our reading is from Ruth, chapter 3. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you, where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I, do, I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognised. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked her, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying... Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Good afternoon, everyone. Great to be back here with you. We are continuing our series in the book of Ruth, the Old Testament book of Ruth. Last week, for those that were here, remember we saw God's providential kindness, God's providence, his good control of this world, his good control of even the tiniest details of our lives. But here's the thing, when people speak of God being in control, some people don't like that idea. Because if God is in control of everything, what does that mean for us and our freedom? Do we really have real choices? If God really is in control of everything, what does that mean for human beings? Are we nothing more than robots? Are we nothing more than puppets on a string? 
If God is providential, as we've been seeing, what does that mean for us? Now, just to put it on the flip side for a moment, if God is not in control, that's not really very good either. Life seems pretty chaotic. What hope do we have that things won't continue to spiral out of control? But if God is in control, how do we fit into that? And some of you may have come across Christian bumper stickers, things like, say, let go and let God. Any of you come across that? I came across once, one that said, don't wrestle, just nestle. (laughs) Very cheesy, isn't it? Um, But the idea being, look, if God is in control, we can sit back, we can let go, we can just wait for God to do his thing. And yet, you come to Ruth chapter 3, as we're doing today, and you'll see here that there is no letting go at all. No sitting back from Naomi, Ruth or Boaz. What we're going to see here that God's providence, it doesn't paralyse them, it empowers them. Careful planning, strategic thinking, bold faith, decisive decision making. It does not paralyse them, it empowers them. God wants it to empower you too, wherever you're coming from today. Let's see how it works. First, verses 1 to 3 and Naomi's plan. Up to this point in the book, where has Naomi's focus been? Most of you enjoy it. It's been all on herself. Do you remember this? The Lord has brought me back empty. The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. With Naomi, it's been me, me, me. Now look at verse 1. Naomi said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you. The perspective has changed from me to you, from herself to others. Why? Because finally Naomi has come to see God's providential kindness, goodness, working in her life, Ruth's life, that last week we saw that out of all the fields Ruth could have ended up in, she just happened to end up in the one field belonging to Boaz, the one man who could make a difference to her life in her poverty and being widowed. She sees it now. And whenever you have a fresher take on God's kindness, God's goodness, God's providential care in your life, it lifts you. In Naomi's case, from bitterness to joy, from inaction to now wanting to get up, get going, and make a plan and find a home for Ruth. She sees it now. And she comes up with this plan to find a home, a husband for Naomi. Sees what God's been doing with Boaz and her. Let me read out the plan from verse 3. See what you make of it. Verse 3. Wash. That would be a good start. Uh, Put on perfume. Some of that L'Oreal harvest gold, because you're worth it, Ruth. Get dressed in your best clothes. Boaz has only seen you in the fields, all hot and sweaty in your work clothes, so put on your favourite number. And go down to the threshing floor. But, verse 3, don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. They say a way to a man's heart is through his stomach and all that. Verse 4, when he lies down, note the place where he is lying don't want to get that wrong and end up in the wrong bed. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Now, what do you make of that as a plan? Does that sound something somewhat dodgy to you? Get into bed with another man? What are many single men going to be thinking? 
What sort of advice is this? So Naomi, she's beginning to see the Lord's providence at work in her life, Ruth's life, Boaz's life, making a plan. But it is never right to force the issue. No excuse to plan something that is morally ambiguous. Interestingly, the verses in the original Hebrew give no indication of whether this is morally dubious or not. In the Hebrew, it is laden with ambiguity. Good plan, bad plan, we don't know. Which, by the way, ladies, is, this is not dating tips for how to get your man. But what it is showing is that it is right to make plans. What Naomi is doing here, seeing God's providence at work in their, her life and stepping out in that same direction. The way God is leading. That is a good thing. So, for example, one of the Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 1, says, The plans of the heart belong to us, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Do you see how they both go together? So we don't know whether this is a good plan or a bad plan. We're not told that. But the fact that Naomi does plan, that is a good thing. Let go and let God... Don't wrestle, nestle. No. Make plans. Work hard. Don't just hope that parliamentary bill goes well. Work hard at it. Attention to detail. Review it. Revise it. Make it the best you can with the time you've got. Don't just wait for things to happen. Don't just sit back and be lazy. Plan, prepare, be disciplined, put the effort in. Let the providence of God empower you. Just as it empowers Naomi here in verses 1 to 4. Second thing to see is how it empowers Ruth in verses 5 to 9. As we see here, her bold faith, we read in verse 5, after Naomi's given this plan, is it ambiguous, is it morally dubious, yes or no? But she says in verse 5, I will do whatever you say. Verse 6, so she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Now that takes some trust in God's providential care and the way he is leading her at the moment. Just think for a moment about the risk involved for Ruth. Dangerous place, the threshing room floor. It's dark at the end of the day. She can't see where she's going. She's got to tiptoe around. She doesn't want to bump into the wrong person, wake them up. What are you doing here? She's got to find Boaz. She's got to uncover his feet. She's got to lie down next to him and do whatever he says. Now that takes a lot of faith in Boaz's character. This is an honour-shame culture. Reputation is everything. Ruth is a foreigner. She's an outsider. She's a Moabite. She has built up such a good reputation with the Israelite people. But this could jeopardise everything for her. Do you know Moab itself, the nation where Ruth is from, had come about through sexual immorality between Lot and his daughter. What are people going to think about this Moabite woman sneaking in at the middle of the night and lying down in the bed of an Israelite man? The risk involved, but the trust she has in God's providence, in her life, through Baraz, it doesn't paralyze her, it transforms her, emboldens her, 
empowers her. So what happens next? Verse 7. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, not drunk, but in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asks. That's how dark it was, he can't see. But whatever ambiguity there may have been up to this point, Ruth now speaks to Boaz with absolute clarity. I am your servant, Ruth, she says. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Different language to what we're used to today. What she's saying, she's basically saying, be my redeemer. That provision in God's law. Remember the family to take care of those who are widowed in their poverty. She's saying, be my husband. She's saying, will you marry me? The Lord's providence. Ruth sees it in her life, sees it in Boaz's life. The way the Lord has brought them together, it doesn't paralyze her. It emboldens her to step out in faith, in line with what God's doing. No hint of ambiguity, no innuendo, absolute clarity. Will you look after and take care of me, Boaz? Now, I mean, I've been in pastoral ministry for over 14 years. In my experience, most relationship problems boil down at one point at another to innuendo, to a lack of clarity, to moral ambiguity. Is he or she just a friend or is something else going on here? Where is this relationship going? Is he going to ask me to marry him or not? Should we get married? Flirting, innuendo. What is actually going on here? Be clear, be upfront, remove ambiguity. But what if they say no? But what if they're not number one? What is anyone way to find out? And God's providential care is still at work. You can trust him. Whatever the outcome. And that's not true just getting into a relationship. That's throughout all relationships. And the whole of marriage. <clears throat> Ladies. Notice in these verses the example of Ruth for women today. Do you see her faithfulness, her obedience to Naomi, her mother-in-law? Do you see her integrity, her absolute openness with Boaz? Do you see her bold faith in the Lord? What a discussion today about what it means to truly be a woman, a real woman, to be feminine. And here she is in all her glory. Do you know in the Hebrew Bible, um, the book of Ruth comes right after the book of Proverbs. How does Proverbs finish in chapter 31? The woman of noble character. Who is she? Here she is fleshed out in person in the book of Ruth. Not a doormat, not quiet, not focused on her looks. Boaz says as much in verse 11. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Trusting in the Lord, proactive, resourceful, bold. A woman who cares deeply about God's standard, a woman who cares deeply about other people. And do you know what the name Ruth literally means? Friend, companion, a vision of beauty. Women, do you want to be beautiful? Then follow this example of Ruth. 
The Lord's providence does not paralyse her, it transforms her, it can transform you. And it also transforms Boaz, this is the last thing to see, in verses 10 to 18. So having, Ruth having asked Boaz to take care of her, be her redeemer and marry her, the question is, well will he? Moab is not exactly holiday destination number one for Israelites. It is one thing to take care of a Moabite woman, let her gleam in the field, quite another thing to marry her and take on all her debts and her poverty. Moab has a checkered history, as we said before. The women of Moab, known for leading the men of Israel, Israel into sexual morality. Just imagine what it's going to do for Boaz's social standing and reputation to marry this woman. What's he going to do? Will he, won't he? Verse 11. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. I will do for you all you ask. Never in doubt with Boaz. All in. Total commitment to Ruth. Will you be my redeemer? Yes, I will. I'll do all that you ask. But, verse 12, there's a twist in the tale. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. If this were a soap opera, here's the cliffhanger. Roll credits. Oh no, there's someone else who can get in there first. Boaz remains calm, he doesn't panic. He says in verse 13, stay here for the night and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. He's calm, he's collected. Why? Because he trusts in the Lord's goodness, whatever the outcome. And in the meantime, look at him, staying focused on Ruth. Verse 13, he protects her. Stay here for the night. It's dangerous there. Verse 13 again, he reassures her, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Verse 14, he's concerned for her reputation. No one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. Verse 15, he provides for her basic needs yet again, pouring six measures of barley into her shawl. Boaz, where he protects her, reassures her, his concern for her, his provi- everything about Boaz just oozes class. Here is a man with spiritual strength, his trust in the Lord, his commitment to others. Do you know what the name Boaz means? Strong. And here is a man who lives up to his name. And here uses his strength, his status, to care and look after others. What does it mean to be truly masculine? Men, here is our example. Trust in the Lord, commitment to others, using our strength, our status for the sake of others. There was a joke doing the rounds last year, Euro 2016 football championships. I'm not sure if you heard it. A bloke's managed to get hold of two tickets for the final. He didn't realise that the final clashed with his wedding day, so obviously he couldn't go there, couldn't make it. And so he puts an ad on Facebook 
The ad goes, if you're interested and want to go instead of me, it's at St Andrew's Church in Brighton, and the girl's name is Sarah. You know, and it's a joke, and it's quite funny, and uh, at the same time, it does tap into some of the lad culture that's just around today. Lads, footy, no mates before missus. Sorry, mates before missus. But no commitment, not being tied down. Free from all responsibility. But I hope you can see that is not being a man, that is being a boy. Men, here is our model. Let's pray for more Boazes in Parliament. More Ruths in Parliament. These two noble characters, Ruth and Boaz, a perfect match, not based on looks, but based on character. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture as you read this. Their commitment to one another. Ruth's the Boaz, Boaz is to Ruth. Here's the thing. Here's the ultimate thing. As you see it, as you see the beauty of it, as you think, I wish there were more Ruth's Boazes in my life. Do you know, ultimately, this is all a picture of God himself. Okay, this book of Ruth, first and foremost about him, in the wider biblical picture, later on in one of the prophets, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8, you get exactly the same phrase, spread your garment over me. And there it is God speaking to his people. A God who loves to find a home, rest for his people. Who loves to care and protect and provide for his people. A God who loves to use his own strength and status for the sake of other people. Even sinful people who have turned their back on him. Lord, I'm a sinner, will you redeem me? And God says, yes, I will. All in. Total commitment. And if you doubt it, if you're someone here thinking, how can I know that about God? Then look at Jesus Christ, God in human form. Leaving the status of heaven. To come into a sinful world. Think of what he went through in the Garden of Gethsemane before he endured the shame of the cross. Stripped naked, mocked, spat upon to cover up our shame. He, he was deeply troubled in soul in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was sweating blood in Gethsemane. As he imagined what it would mean to go to the cross and take the penalty of sin for the whole world. And at any moment he could have said no. At any moment he could have stopped. And he didn't. He didn't. For you and for me, I will. All in, total commitment. We don't deserve this love, and yet Jesus Christ freely offers this love to every single one of us. All in, total commitment. And can I say to you, do we see this? Do we see God's love, God's goodness, God's providential work in our life? The more we do, the more let's make it motivate us and empower us to make plans and to step out with bold faith and commit ourselves and give ourselves to other people, just as we see Naomi, Ruth and Boaz do it here. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you very much indeed for the example here of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz and the way your providential work in their life that they see does not paralyse them but empowers them and transforms them in their trust of you, in their increasing bold faith for you 
and in their commitment to one another. Thank you ultimately for the picture that is of your commitment to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, you give each and every one of us, wherever we're coming from today, an increased realisation of that, that we may be transformed to live evermore for you in the plans we make, in the commitment, the boldness, as we live for you and for others. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.